following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Um, okay, so we're, we're just we're going to finish off. Uh, what are we? Finish off conjoined twins today. This is our third session, but we 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 had mentioned that last week we discussed the one of the allowances for Moshe Feinstein why he allowed in this specific case to um, to sacrifice the life of baby A for the life of baby B to literally allow in this in this separation surgery he allowed to, uh, the killing, so to speak, of ba- literally, of baby A, Dr. Coop, C. Everett Coop, um, cl- closed off the heart, and, uh, what that? not the heart, because it was a shared heart, but closed off the heart vessels to go- going to baby A in order to save the life of baby B. So we said one of the rationales that he used was the concept of um, Rodef, just like by in a case of abortion, will we allow the killing of the fetus that's threatening the life of the mother um, in a parasitic state, so to speak, before it comes out of the mother? So too, um, he said it's similar. This is uh, analogous to that in that sense. That that was the permission, according to Rabbi Moshe Tendler, uh, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's son-in-law, the, why he allowed the rationale that allowed him to to kill baby A, so to speak, to but save the life of baby This is a specific B. case you're talking yes. about, apparently. Yes. And this, uh, yeah. How old were they when they uh, sacrificed the baby? Two weeks. Uh, oh, so uh, it's not weeks. like the, game, the, the child uh, uh, was aware of what was happening? No. Two, two weeks old. It was 1977. Um, oh. Did anyone invoke like the canteen rule? Like Yes, but we're not going there. But In this case, we need a fourth session. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. In general, conjoined twins, people do bring it in, but yeah, I would think they would. Yeah. Hey, most advising did not bring it. Well, interesting. Brief summary of what that is. Uh, a famous uh, lifeboat ethics case with two, one can of one canteen of water, or two people in the desert. Oh. Do I have to give up my water for the other person? Do I have to share my water if we're both if we're both gonna die? No. I've got <laughs> four chambers and you've got two. <laughs> I'm keeping my four chambers. Right, so, so we said, we mentioned last week, which one of the objections to that rationale is the fact that, uh, this is uh, Bleich's objection, to most the, the way it was described, the rationale of Ramosha Feinstein, he, didn't, he says it doesn't make sense, because who said baby A is the parasite? They're sharing a heart. Why, why are we assuming, just because Dr. Koop assumed the heart belongs to baby B, I mean, really the heart is in, they share a chest, they were ventricle, ventricle ventrically attached, I believe is the correct term, Ventral. ventrally attached, so therefore he says uh, the heart belonged to both of them, so why view one as a parasite, just by the mere fact that baby A wouldn't survive, according to Dr. Coop, even if they got the heart, doesn't mean the heart belongs to baby B, it was others, uh, other factors that would not allow for survival of baby A, so that was his, uh, his beef with um, that rationale. <coughs> so today we're going to look at another rationale that was discussed um, According to Rabbi Tendler, in the context in that you know week of discussions that were going on with Rabbi Feinstein between Dr. Coop and Rabbi Feinstein um, through various messengers, I don't know if they ever actually spoke on the phone, but Rabbi Tendler did speak with Dr. Coop. So based on those conversations, Rabbi Tendler said another rationale was discussed, but it doesn't seem at the end Rabbi Feinstein accepted that rationale and want to discuss that. So the second rationale is based on. Famous Gemara that we've mentioned before. This is a Talmud Yerushalmi Gemara, again in the Bavli. 
Were Dr. Coop at all interested in the Talmud? Yes, he, he, he accepted the rationale of Rabbi Feinstein. If you look at the... Yeah, the parents were no, no, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Dr. Coop, uh, was he at all no, influenced he, by it? Yeah, well, he had to accept the decision because it was, uh, you know, the parents, he had to do whatever the parents want. Oh, the parents okay. consulted Rabbi Feinstein, who, who then consulted Dr. Dr. Coop. Dr. Coop was influenced by Yes, Dr. look at the bottom, uh, look at number eight on your sheet. The next sheet, not that one. The other sheet with all English. Look at number eight. No. Abortion, yeah. Oh, eight, right there. Mm-hmm. Number eight is the quote from Dr. Coop. Yeah, The ethics and morals involved in these decisions are too complex for me. That's Coop, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I believe they are too complex for you as well. That's That's you, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, I referred it to an old rabbi on the Lower East Side of New York. He is a great scholar, a saintly individual. He knows how to answer such questions. When he tells me I too will know. See Everett Coop, as quoted by Rabbi in the Tender, yes. okay. So that answered my question. Yes. Okay, now, so there's a Gemara in Talmud Yushami, which is the Jerusalem Talmud, um, in Tracte Trumot. I don't know the context here, but a fascinating Gemara. We'll read it. You have it um, on your sheet, number one on the sheet. We've discussed this case before, but just we'll, hear, we'll read in the original and, and analyze it on a deeper level than we we did to, to, to figure out how if it's analogous to this case. So the case is like this. So number one on the English there. Uh-huh. says like this. I'm going to read the Hebrew. You can read the English. Tanu, tani, siyot b'nei adam, caravans of people, shayumahalchen b'derech, that were going along the way. Pagu lahan goyim. That's a dirty word, but... Uh, but it, it just means other non-Jews approached them. The assumption is evil people, pirates. The um, Amru, and they said... Give us one of your group. Then we're going to kill him. Then if you don't hand over one person, we're going to kill all of you. Okay. So, so by the way, in this law, as we're going to see, applies also to rape. The same halacha um, is applied to rape because in the Torah, according to the Torah, rape is analogous to murder um, in many contexts. So therefore. Um, if they ask for one specific woman, they say, we want this woman to have our way with her, or we're going to rape all, we're going to take all the women as captive. So the same thing applies. You can't give over one woman to save the other woman, as we're going to see. So it sounds like this. So the Gemara says, the halach is, lo yim siru nefesh achat Israel. You cannot hand over one Jew, even to save the lives of many. Okay, so we don't sacrifice one life, even to save the lives of many. That's number one. Number two, then the Gemara goes on to say, but there's an exception to that. Can you say, like, to them, do you have anybody in particular in mind? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. That's a good this question. This is very interesting. Yeah, the Shiva Ben Birchi. Okay, we're going to get to Shiva Ben Birchi, right? Everybody uses him. So it says the exception to that rule is, so again, normally, and again, in the case of the twins, too, we never sacrifice one to save the life of another. Um, but the Gemara says there's an exception to that in this case. Yichtulan, if they say, they specify, that means they say, we specify, we want this guy, give us this guy or this woman, Echad Kigon, like the case of Sheva ben Bechri, and we'll explain what that case is, then Yimsiru Atol Val Yargu. 
then you have the right to give over that specified person to them, and even though they're going to kill him, and then um, and everyone else gets saved. But only in that specific case where it's specified. Okay? Shimon ben Lakish, okay, well, let's first, what is the case of Shimon ben Just to explain it to you nicely here from the, it's a, it's in, in the Gemara and Tanakh, it's a case in Samuel, the verses are in Samuel 2, um, chapter 20, and it says like this, it says, there was an evil man named Sheva ben Bechri. Why was he evil? Um, because he committed, uh, what's the French word for going against the king? Treason. Oh. Nice French word, La Flaffaire, I don't remember. Whatever it is, he... Oh, didn't yet. He, he was, well, in Hebrew we call it Morid B'malchut. He went against the king. He uh, went against the king. He Contra he, La I forgot the word. I have it down somewhere. So, um, so he committed uh, going against the king, which is a capital offense against King David. Um, and he says, I, and this is quoting from, from Samuel, he says, I have no allegiance to David HaMelech, um, he had led a rebellion against King David. Yov's men chased after him, and they came to a town and laid siege to it. So he ran to this town. The army, a Jewish town, the army, uh, Yo- King David's army surrounded the town. Um, Yov announced to the townspeople, Yov was the general, Yov ben Sruya, famous King David's general, said, Shevim of Bichri has raised his, can, his hand against David HaMelech. Send him out of your town, for he alone is the one that is guilty. And I will then withdraw my forces from the siege. So meaning if you don't send them out, we're gonna we lay siege to the whole town, your whole town's gonna be destroyed. If you send them out, we'll leave, we'll we'll go away. So it says a woman responded to Yoav, Behold, there here is his head which I am throwing to you next to the way to the walls of the city. So it sounds like this woman actually killed him or someone else and they killed him inside the city. Yeah, that's questionable, but but in either case they gave him up. Um and uh, this woman, by the way, because it happens to be this week's parsha, I believe, or next week's parsha, have, according to Rashi and other commentaries in the Medrash, explains that this woman was um, Sarah Bat Asher, Sarah, the daughter of Asher, this smart woman. Um, when we say smart woman, we know it's referring to, and it says this she was a very smart woman. She lived for very long. She was the one, actually, in two weeks, who plays the harp when Yaakov finds out that Yosef's alive. Right, so it says they don't want to shock him. Talk about that when we get there. They don't want to shock him with the news because he's an old man. That Yosef is alive. So they, um, this this girl at the time, Sarah um, Batasher, she was a teenager. She played the harp and singing a song. Oh, Yosef Chai. Yosef is still living to sort of coax uh, Yaakov Yaakov into you know without shocking him. And then they told him it's really true. So she she starts singing a song. So this is the same woman. Way much many years later. Uh, probably like a thousand, I don't know how many years later did, did King David live? Probably almost how many years later was King David? Anyone? At after uh, the Shvat? After, after you? Uh, at least uh, 500 years. At least what? 500 right. years. So according to the Medrash, uh, right, so at least 500 years. So she was a pretty old woman at this time, and she was the one who gave the uh, the advice to give up Sheva ben Bechri. The assumption is, that especially since the Tanakh is calling her a smart woman, that she was correct. Otherwise, we, you know, we wouldn't we, uh, we wouldn't bring a story and we wouldn't call her Isha Chachama, which is the Tanakh refers to her as if she wasn't saying the correct halacha. So the Gemara is understanding from this story that there are times you're allowed to sacrifice the individual to save the many. 
And this is one of those cases. So meaning, and how are we understanding according to this first opinion? That if they specify who they want, that's when you're allowed to sacrifice. That's opinion number one. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yochan, um in the Talmud. Here. But it also says that that person had to be guilty of something. Oh, one second. He that's big. Jumping the gun. That's the second opinion. So opinion number one is, that's what it says here, Again, if they specify one, you can give him over and do not do not allow everyone else does not have to be killed. So the first opinion says, Shivan Ben Lakish argues. He says, No. Meaning if you're comparing, if you're saying it's analogous to that case of Shavan Bikri, and that's your source for learning this exception, for understanding this exception to the rule of sacrificing the individual to save the many, that you're allowed to do it in this case. So it has to be completely analogous to Shavan Bikri. What does that mean? Just like in that case, Shavan Bikri had violated a capital crime by um, whatever that French word is, going against the Rebellious. king. Oh, no, Rebel. You still haven't found <laughs> No, 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 there's a nicer word. It's a French word. Going against. I'm going to find a few in a second. Going against, right? To rebel. To rebel, yeah. that's what I said. Yeah. Rebelling against. I don't want to spend time, but there is a nice word. You don't want to that I saw. I don't understand. But I'm very bad with my French. Coup d'etat seems about no, right no, to me. No, it's not. a much better word. And when I say it, you'll understand. Okay, anyway, so in either case... A rebellion. Um, the point being is that... Uh, that since he had violated, according to Rish Lakish, he had to have violated, it's not enough that they specify we want this guy. It has to be a step further, which is he had to have violated a capital crime. Um, according to Rish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan says no. We don't need to take every detail of that story and to make it analogous. Even if he wasn't, he didn't violate a capital crime like Shavim Bichri, you still can give him over once they specified. And the simple on the simple and surface, a crime according to the, uh, the, the the pirates. Oh, so that's a good question. We're going to maybe discuss that. But in either case, the the simple explanation of Rabbi Yochanan is that um, meaning since the, again the issue is according to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, why can't I save my life um, and sacrificing your life to save my life? Okay, why is that usually the principle? The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, meaning I can't save my life by sacrificing your life unless self-defense, which is another exception, because I can't make a judgment call whose life is better. Meaning I, I, you know, I'd like to decide, I'm a rabbi and you're uh, only a doctor, so therefore my life is qualitatively more important than yours. But says the Talmud, no, there's no such thing. In Judaism, everyone is created equal. All lives are created equal. Therefore, I can't make a decision. I can't judge say my life is more important. Or you can't judge and say your life is more important than mine. They may want to. So, so therefore, you know, it's whose, bl- whose blood is sweeter? It's redder. Okay, I can't make that judgment. No one can make that judgment. No human being can make that judgment call. Okay, about whose blood is redder. Every, all humans are created equal. Only God can make that judgment. We can't. Therefore, so I can't decide, listen, I'm more important than you. Uh, you, you know, you're a retired doctor. I'm, you know, people still need me. 
Rabbi. So therefore, my life is more important. Humble. Okay. So so I can't make that judgment call. But the point is, when you have so therefore, when the pirates come and say, "Give us one," we're going to have to decide who to give up. That's prohibited. But once they made that decision for you, and they said, "We want guy X," so now you're not making that decision anymore. Now the pirates made that decision. It's not your problem. Okay, so then you're not making a judgment call in that case. Then that's where you're at. That's simple interpretation of Rabbi Yochanan. So, um, according to Rabbi Tandler, he wanted to apply this uh, this reasoning. The same thing here. So now the question is, who first of all, who do we pass him? Like? What's the halacha? Is the halacha like Rishon Lakish or like Rabbi Yochanan? Okay, so if you're understanding halacha is like Rabbi Yochanan, um, that means uh, that all you need is a specified. Um, person, and then you're allowed to sacrifice that specified person to save the life of another. So then it would be easy in the case of the conjoined twins, because uh, according to that reasoning, if we if we rule like that, so then there's no problem because here he's saying God. Listen, and there's no one that said baby A should be killed, but God, we know according to Doctor Coop, baby A is gonna die. Okay, meaning there's no way baby A can live, even if we trans, even if we. S- you know, let's say, get rid of baby B somehow, save and, and leave the heart with baby A, baby A still will not live, as Dr. Coop ascertained, based on the, again, other factors, circulatory problems, whatever it was, that baby A would not survive, in either case, um, very long. So based on that, Ramosha wanted to say, it's, it's analogous to this case, Rabbi Yochanan, because, and even though no one specified baby A, but God, so to speak, Minashamayim, heaven specified that baby A is going to die. So baby A is going to die in either case. And by the way, this is, it's interesting, this is according to Rashi in Sanhedrin. Rashi actually explains this when discussing Sheva ben So meaning Rashi explains, um, and as we're going to see, there's a lot of crossover between this case and, you know, as you have to, it has to jive with the case we discussed last week of Rodef and how this works. So, so Rashi's understanding, this is applicable, when do you apply this reasoning? Is when when everyone's going to die anyway, meaning in the case of Shevim and Bichri, he was going to die um, whether they gave him up or not. Dead man walking. Right. He's basically a dead man walking because the Yehov ben Suri, either he's going to die with everyone in the city, you know, in the siege, the total siege, or if they give him up, he'll die. He'll die. He's, uh, just, just he will die. But either way, Shevim and Bichri was going to die. So according to Rashi's, according to that reasoning and understanding, same would apply here. Uh, according to Rabbi Tendler's explanation in Ramosha, Feinstein, which is that uh, the baby A was going to die either way. <coughs> now, it's whether we kill baby A now in the surgery or whether we, we, we let him live, they're both, you know, the baby A is going to die, which is very analogous to um, Rabbi Yochanan, according to Rashi's explanation, Rabbi Yochanan of Shevet Ben Bech. So that's, uh, that's if we rule like Rabbi Yochanan in the Yushalmi, meaning so that you don't need for, for the for Shevim Bichri or for the person to have violated capital crime. Yeah. In one case, pirates are coming for baby A, in the other case, heaven is coming for baby A. Exactly. But either way, baby A is history. Exactly. And therefore, we see from the case of Shevim, this Kamar, according to Rabbi Yochanan, you can give up, you can sacrifice baby A. That's analogy number one. Um, the problem is, the Rambam rules like Rish Lakish. So if you look on your sheet here, like Rish Lakish, that in order to, to allow the sacrifice of a person to save another life, he had to have violated a capital crime. That's how the Rambam rules. 
Um, if you look in... Mm, and the capital crime of Brandy was... It's on this paper. There's no capital crime. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. This, it's on this paper. Um, the Rambam is on the last quote there on the page on the side that says conjoined twins. Turn it over. Jimmy, on the other side. That one? Yeah. No, you don't have another side. Sorry. It's okay. No, you do. Oh, do you have it? Yeah, he, he doesn't here. He didn't. We'll come upon a group of uh, Tresa, I'll read the Hebrew, more comfortable with that. Um, then we'll read in French. If uh, a group of uh, women who, uh, again, here he uses, he uses instead of Goyim, the Ramam changes it to Ovdei pagans, in either case. Um, it doesn't really make a difference. Give us one of you, and we're going to rape her, we're going to defile her. If not, we're going to rape all these women. Kulan allow all of them. All of them have to be allowed. Meaning, should not give up one woman to be raped. and so too. If the pagans say and we will kill kill him. If not, we will kill all of you. Says the Rambam. But he says if they specify, we want this woman or this person, he says the Ramam, if he was, uh, he had, he violated, and he was um, guilty of a capital crime, as Shevim Bechri, then he says, but even in that case, you don't, that means if they come to you, um, as a rabbi, and ask you what the halach is, you don't tell them. You don't pass him that you can ever give over another Jew to be killed. That's the halach, but we don't, you know, keep it under the rest. Rabbi, so simple question. Yes. Well, then let me just finish the Rabbi's last statement. But if he had not violated, if he's not liable of a capital crime, then they all have to be killed. And do not give over even one Jew. Sorry. Being a rofe. Yes. Is that a capital crime? No, capital. A capital crime. Technically speaking, so what are you that's saying? The, the, that's the point. So what are you saying? So which case are you talking about? Any case. Well, any case. Joint twins. What do you... He, he, he's trying to imply that, that uh, baby A is a Baby A that was in contention that this one was a rodeo. It's not so simple because we missed the last week while you were in Cuba. We should have called in. But the point we said like this, that there's something called a mutual rodeo. That means I'm trying to kill you and you're trying to kill me. So then we really, we can't, we can't say either one, I mean, you're both, we're both road food, but we're both allowed to kill each other, so, I mean, so right. then you can't, again, one life doesn't take, according to Ricky Vega, according to many others, one life does not take precedent over the other, because we're both, we're mutual road food. Meaning, if we're both, we're having a gun, you know, uh, you know like a Texas stroll, whatever. Shootout. Texas shootout. A saloon, right? So we take ten, ten steps each way, and then we go, so now we're both road food. So now a guy can come along and shoot one of us because the other, <laughs> listen, he's a road if he's trying to shoot the other. If they're both shooting each other, so then they're, they're mutual <coughs> road food, right. then the, the law of road if is, is not applicable there. 
Because they're what we call mutual rodef. Now, why the, baby A is not more of a rodef than baby B? They're both trying. They're both vying for the same heart. I do want to change the topic a little bit. I was going to say I don't want it. One second, but you understand? So they're both sharing a six-chambered heart. Therefore, they're both vying for that same heart. They're both trying to kill each other. So the, so the, the place yeah. where it comes into, which recently came into, and I know you might have it uh, uh, um, marked for a, a later Russia is the uh, multiple birth, culling, culling multiple uh, births. Yes. Those, yes. Are, those are. Uh, that's not today. Huh? It doesn't happen so much today anymore because now they do pre-implantation. You know, they yeah, then you can do pre-implantation. No, I'm saying they do it. Pre-implantation, so there's no viable feed. Okay, fine, but I mean the yes, technically it's yes, very relevant. That Same, was exactly yes. the, the the case that you're talking about. Now. Yes, and then none for, were yes, none of them were crime. Except for one thing, the medical facts and and choosing the principles you're going to use are quite important. Now, while they are sharing a heart, you may be reluctant to say it belongs to baby A or baby B. The best medical facts we have in this case. Is baby A cannot survive no matter what. Yeah, but why is that relevant? But that's not a Rodef issue. Yeah, but that's not a, no, that's it's a different not a question. Issue, but Can we choose a more qualitative is. life or, or a quantitative no, life? A that's a different question. Oh, but baby A is a dead man, man, dead, dead man walking. Like baby yes, B is that's not. what we're saying. According to according to Tendler's analogy, that's what they will present to Moshe. And it's like Shavu Ben Bichri, same exact case. We said, right? Just like Shavu Ben Bichri is a dead man walking, baby A is a dead man walking. Even though baby A is not committed to capital. Yeah, nothing to do with Rodef. Per se, right. it's Even just uh, the fact that they're both going to die. Yeah. But we're going to get both of them. In terms of choosing principles to apply, is what I'm saying. That you, the medical facts are quite important. Oh, of course, the fact they're always important. But, but the problem is here, he Coop's definition of who the heart belongs to is not necessarily the halakhic definition. He in his discussions, he assumed that the heart belonged to baby B. That's one assumption he's making. He's also making another one that baby A can't survive no matter what. That assumption Moshe took. Bleich has an issue with why would he accept what makes this heart belong to baby A? But I disagree. I have questions. Let's say you're in a group of Jewish people. Everybody's innocent. And the Ghanavs come and they want to take one. And, and you're the leader of the group, so you got to talk for them. And your family, your immediate family is with you, your wife and your kids. Can you give what up you, yourself? What, you give up yourself? Can you? Yes. That's something else. You're allowed to, if, if the person himself agree voluntarily wants to give up his life, that we don't stop it. That's, that's fine, oh, according okay. to most. We're talking about, so if you as a, as a proud husband want to give up, it was just... Uh, very scary video I watched on CNN. This woman in the fire, did you see this? One of the women who was, who was, she had a baby like four hours in Paradise, California, four hours prior to the fire. She was in the hospital, it was a C section, she couldn't walk. So they, they had to evacuate, at some point they realized they had to evacuate the hospital. They putting people just in strangers' cars. Some, they put her in some 50 year old engineer's car with her baby. They put her, took her out on a gurney, dumped her in the car. And they started going. It took, and she was with the baby, and at some, it took them nine hours to drive 20 miles. Wow. And, uh, and she, oh, they yeah. thought, you know, they, there was times people were just abandoning their cars. She couldn't walk. So she, I mean, they have her on video, they interviewed her. It's heartbreaking, I mean, so, and they showed video. She told the guy, listen, when, if, they, they, she thought she wasn't going to make it, and they're going to have to abandon the car. So just take my baby and, you know, and run and leave me here. She told the guy, it's not much pretty scary stuff. So I'm saying, so people, yes, she, said she was ready to sacrifice her life, clearly, for her baby. Without question. So I'm saying, but, so, if someone volunteers and says, I'm going to go out 
give myself to the pirates, we don't stop. That's oh. his prerogative. As far as, uh, as far as, um, we can't make, again, because the whole issue is we can't decide whose life is more important. Someone wants to say, you know, I'm ready to sacrifice my life. That in this particular situation, we do allow, I believe. It's interesting. You, can, you can't say whose life is more important, but you could make a decision that my life is less important. <laughs> yes. That's a little bizarre. We can't judge. No, I'm saying we can't judge uh, someone else's life. We have no right to decide whose blood is redder. Well, why do you have a right to I judge wanna, your own life? If, I, if I'm going to die anyway, and if I want to sacrifice my life you know, a few minutes earlier, that if, we're going to allow to save I, other people's lives. If I knew 100%, 100%, you're wiser than I thought. If I knew 100% that pirates out that door were going to kill yeah. all of us, or only one of us, oh, hi. I would... We would we would find a volunteer. Oh, you feel free to volunteer, Manny. Hmm? Feel free to volunteer. I mean, the alternative is you. Someone volunteers, or you fight to the death. There not be no kidding. Okay, you got it taken care of. I mean, we're gonna die, all of us, or one of us is gonna die. Well, they're gonna attempt to kill us. That doesn't mean we're all gonna die. No, I said a hundred percent because I meant hundred percent. If we knew hundred percent. Because so, for the argument, for the sake of the argument, that's that's what it is. That we're all going to all die, or one is going to die. That is the argument, right? Anyway, you so can't say about maybe, 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 and change. Yes, the in this case, the the assumption is 100 percent. The baby yeah. A, based on Dr. Coop's analysis and his diagnosis, baby A was going to die, no matter what, even if they gave her the heart. So I have a second question. Yeah. Now you say it's a hell of a thing. Let, let's go with the two babies. You say, take them to the surgery and baby, you know, Kill one of them has to die. All right. How can you evaluate the value of that life when you say if somebody's falling to his death and you shoot him, you're guilty of murder? Because even if you shorten the life by a fraction of a second. So, so you're going to talk about that. It's a very good point. Okay. But again, here, according to the first analysis we said last week, as a den rodef. So then it's a rodef. Because the parasite, that's what we discussed last week, just like the abortion case, oh, can sure. kill the fetus to save the life of the mother. That's one. And according to this, what we're saying is, it's a dead man walking. The baby, it's, okay. the halacha is, by the way, for example, a trefa, if you shoot a trefa, a trefa means someone who's terminally ill, someone is going to die within the next 12 months, certainly, or has a, you know, a terrible case of cancer, the doctor's given three months to live. So that means halachically they're what we call a trefa, okay, the terminally ill. So if you shoot that person, it's it's murder, but it's not capital. So there is a we do view it as a somewhat a less qualitative life. It's still considered murder. You're right, um, but as opposed to the person who's falling off a roof, he's not a trifer. He's gonna die in five seconds when he hits when he hits the ground. But the, he is right now a full life while he's in the air. Okay, if we somehow were able to save him, we could potentially save him if you put down a mattress. You know, maybe you'll. But that person has chosen to die. Which person has chosen? They're jumping, jumping off the roof. Jumping or, or falling? Might be well, a different you never said which either way. Did. Let's the say jumping off the either roof. Either way, so he chose well, what no, no, he no, chosen no, to die. Again, but he's not a trafe. What I'm saying is, you're right, he only has short, very short lifespan left, but he's still not a trafe. He's not inherently going to die. It's an outside factor that's causing his death. So that's different. Understand that there's, halachically, there's difference. Difference mm -hmm. is one is if someone's terminally ill, that means inherently they're not going to live for more than 12 months. The other one is this, you know, we know he, uh, MS-13 is trying to kill him, but, so he's not going to live for. That's not that doesn't make him a trafe. 
And if you kill someone who's, you know, the mafia is chasing, doesn't make him, doesn't get you out of your, you still killed a full viable human life. You understand? That's the difference. So someone falling off a roof is a full viable life, as opposed to someone who cannot live for more than a, more than a year is not a, is not qualitatively is not. If I'm standing on the roof with him and I tell him I'm going to kill him and he jumps off and dies, am I guilty of murder? If nobody heard you, you're not. <laughs> no, why? Why? Because I'm threatening. I'm going to kill them. And why did he I jump? Have a gun and I'm you didn't push him, him, so that's but he it. jumped. That's his problem. That's not your problem. I mean, you're not a nice person. But you don't get a medal. Depends on the person. Um, okay, so now. So, so that's again, according to Rabbi Yochanan, so it's clearly understood. Rabbi Tendler wants to say that even according to Rish Lakish, that says you have to have violated a capital crime, it's still the, the analogy would still apply it, even according to the Rambam's ruling. By the way, the Shulchan Aruch brings the case in the Code of Jewish Law and brings both opinions. So it doesn't decide between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. Again, the Rambam very clearly is Rish Lakish. Um, so who we, who we end up ruling like is not clear. Um, in the actual Which is a good thing because, in general, lifeboat ethics are not a good thing, not a good way to make decisions. So, here you have a case of lifeboat ethics where the Lisa Shulchan Aruch understands that you got to give as much wiggle room as possible because lifeboat ethics are just not a good way to make decisions. Okay. You know, if being a Rodef is considered. Uh, 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 Capital offense, although it's not a, not in terms of offense, although yeah. then the whole argument of racial kiss is moot because it's he's it's going to be. It's going to be always be no, but the question is that's it. so when you get to your case, you have to leave. You have to leave. So let's. I want to focus because I want to help you. Meaning, we're going to discuss. Is is that make you the fact that they want to kill me? And everyone else is going to get killed because of me. Does that make me a Rodef? Similar to his case. Yes. Not necessarily. So we'll, we'll get there one second. So let me first finish. So according to Rish Lakish, the question is if we rule like Rish Lakish, so how does that work? So Harry Tandler is of the opinion that even according to Rish Lakish's opinion, um, is still, in this case, it's like, again, from heaven, he was gonna die. What does, what does it mean he, he violated a, no, but not, well, not because of Rodev. What does it mean he violated a capital crime? Meaning he's, as uh, Shelley said before, he's a dead man walking. He's gonna die anyway. Correct. Okay, so baby A, since according to Dr. Cooper is gonna die anyway, so he says even according to Rish Lakish, we could say that that's considered, you know, he's, he's gonna die. He it's as if he violated, he didn't violate, obviously it's an innocent Correct. baby. Obviously, he didn't violate any capital crime, but the fact that he's gonna be, he's gonna die within a matter of time right. anyway, so Therefore, he's saying it's analogous, even according to Rish Lakish. That right. was Rabbi Tender's argument. Correct. That's now, Rabbi Moshe did not seem to accept that, even according to Rabbi Tender. His language is just... And even if they both wrote ifs. They yes, also... One second, one second. He says it did not... Um, therefore, a second approach, and we're talking about this approach, was suggested, which received the careful attention of Moshe. It did not receive his concurrence. Only his appreciation for the analysis suggests. It's basically saying Rabbi Feinstein didn't accept this analogy to rule, um, but... But but he he liked the analogy, but he never said. Can he also bring those two yes. people hanging from a rope off the side of a mountain? No, well, he he discusses. He says it's like analogous to a. Let's say you jump out of a plane with a parachute, someone grabs onto your leg, um, and the parachute can't hold both of you. So do I have a right to kick that person off? Right, so you jump out of a plane, one parachute, the other guy next to you's parachute didn't didn't uh, open. open. 
Okay, and it's your mother-in-law. So she grabs onto your leg. So do I have a right to kick her off or not? So what would you say? Yes. This is a canteen argument, definitely. Again, the assumption is with her you both die, without her you live. Right. Canteen yeah. argument. She right. lives. She dies. That like, must be the assumption. Like that's the road. If that's really the first time, so that like analogy is really canteen of water. Right. That analogy is really more relevant. Then you can kick her off. to the to the other to the Rodif case because that person is basically Rodif. The fact that they're holding on to you and this, so, so that was the analogy from last week, really. Really, that would be applicable in that case. So now I want to, um, because it's a lot of people have to go, take care of the turkeys. Um, so there's a, there's sorry, black. Uh, first of all, there's two other um, suggested rationales. One, so I'll, I'll stick to the one. And the time we have, to, the Rabbi Black suggests analogy based on, a, interestingly enough, a different response of Ramosha Feinstein, which was written 50 years before this, during World War Two. Um, I don't know what the exact date was. Sadiq, I don't know what Hebrew another date. I don't know what it is in English. I think it was 1945. That would have been 30 years before. This case was 1977. 1977. Okay. So um, where he discusses actually this case in the Yushalmi. He just explained the case. There was no, I don't know what the context of the question was, but he says something fascinating. So he says like this. He, um, and Rabbi Bayek says, according to that responsum, it would fit very well with where Moshe Paskin here. So he, he describes it like this. Um, again, as we mentioned, the general rule is mutual pursuers are not considered rodent. Okay? But Rabbi Feinstein says a fascinating thing you see from this Gemara. He says like this. Um, in the case, he's going again, according to Rashi and Sanhedrin, that says this guy, Shalom and Bikri, was going to die in either case. This gets back to what a number of you mentioned, which is, he's going to die in either case. The question really becomes now, so normally we can't make a decision, two lives, all lives are created equal, we can't decide between life A and life B, whose blood is redder, in all cases. Therefore we can't make that decision. Moshe explains, on a much deeper level than that, he says like this, he says, that's when two lives are equal. But he's saying, since Sheva ben Bichri's life, since he was going to die anyway, he's what we call Chayesha. He only had a temporary life. Meaning, because there's an obvious question. But not a trefa. Not a trefa, but let me explain. Meaning, there's an obvious question here. Why can I give over Sheva ben Bichri exactly what, what uh, Alan. Alan, Alan was asking before? Meaning, if a guy's jumping off a roof and I kill him, it's a capital crime. So, because I'm foreshortening his life by five seconds. So, if I give over Sheva ben Bichri, even if he violated a capital crime, why am I allowed to do that? There's a problem here. He, I am foreshortening his life. If he stays, the siege could go on for three months. Then you're right, at the end we're all going to die anyway, in three months. But now I'm giving Shevon Bichri three months left, less of he's life, turn his by, life around. by handing him over today. Right? So why can I, why am I allowed to do that? Do you have a question? It's an obvious question. You know, it's even with all this nice rationale, why can I hand the Shevon Bichri? We rule, if I kill someone, um, who, meaning like he said, if someone's falling off the roof, I shoot him, I still, it's a hundred percent I'm tried as a capital crime, even though he was going to die in five seconds. Okay, so why is this different? I'm foreshortening his life. So Cesar Moshe Feinstein, a fascinating thing, um, which is a very big novelty. He says like this, as we say, a big chiddush in Talmudic terms. Um, he says that you're not allowed to choose between two lives, meaning we don't save the individual, even uh, we don't sacrifice the individual even to save many. But he says when there's a major qualitative difference in the life of one over the other, 
um, or in this case, maybe even a quantitative difference, because this person's Shevim Bechri's life was only Chayesha, as is the term we use, meaning it's a te- it's a temporal life. It's only a matter of time before he's going to die. He's going to die either today when we give him over, or in three months when the siege is over, or in two weeks. Okay, but either way, he's going to die. As opposed to everyone else, if we save their lives, they're going to live happily ever after. Well. No, okay. but go ahead. <laughs> Why not? Nobody lives forever. Not forever. I said happily ever no, after. I said happy. Okay, yes, it's true, but I'm saying it's not, it's called Chaye Olam. The term is Chaye Olam, which is eternal life, but obviously it doesn't mean that. It means you're going to live a healthy, normal life, as long as they're not uh, smokers. Okay? And don't text while they're driving. So, so, uh, so those, so therefore he says, therefore I'm allowed to make the decision in this case. That's why Yochanan is allowing me to choose to send out Shavu Mechri because he's saying is I can choose the te- to sacrifice the temporary life versus the Chayolam. Where you going? Where you going? Relax, relax. He's gone. He has pressure. I issues. apologize. Don't, don't apologize. I have to do it. Don't do it again. <laughs> if the grandkids need me, so again, so the point is, according to Moshe Feinstein saying, the the explanation for why Rabbi Yochanan allows to give up Shevim Bichri, even though he didn't violate a capital crime, is because we're allowed to. Now we're not. We're making. We now make a choice between two equal lives. Or we assume is equal. We don't know whose life is more important. But here, halachically, we know this is a temporal life, and there's a difference in halacha between what we call chayesha and chaye olam. And therefore, he says. Therefore, there, that's why Rabbi Yochanan was allowed to hand over Shevim and Bechri. That's the explanation of Rabbi Yochanan. Yes. But isn't this a problem in triage where you can't, even if somebody's dying, you have one bed in the ICU, guy's in it, and he's dying. He's going to live so, less than. Don't you have a right. problem? It's so it's interesting. Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva in that case. We're saying you can't sacrifice that guy. You can't give up his bed in the ICU if there's only one mm-hmm. bed. Uh, which seems to yeah, contradict right. us, and I, I haven't seen anyone address it. It's a good. I asked that question to Steinberg. It's a Steinberg type question. I, it's a good question. Ask him. I, I, yeah, I don't know the answer. Um, at least, yeah, I just saw this in the morning. But um, but uh, the point is, so so that's Rabbi Feinstein explains why we're allowed to give Oshav Mebechri. So he's saying basically, according to this rationale. Um, that we're saying here. So let me just read you how he now applies it. Um, so, so but that's one aspect of it. So we're making that decision. In a certain sense, um, we're, we're saying, again, they're mutual pursuers, um, as we started off saying. But in a case where you have mutual pursuers, where one person is, so to speak, more of a pursuer qualitatively or quantitatively. Closer to being pursued. <laughs> right, meaning, cause, meaning Shevan Bechri is causing the death of these multiple people in the town. And, but they're also causing his death. So the question is, who's the pursuer? We're saying is, in that case, you can view Shevim Bechri because he's pursuing more qualitative life or quantitative life than the people of the town are against him. And yeah, therefore, you qual- can make it. This quality of life issue is a biggie. That's a yes. problematic one. There. Well, so I don't know if he's qualitative or quantitative. Yeah, uh, that's kind of important. Is it qualitative No, because he's going to apply it to both in a second. So I'll show you what. What's the Hebrew term? Chai, which one? Chayesha, Chayom. That's just Shah. qualitative. Sha means temporary, uh, hour. Sha means time. Shah. So, timed life, so to speak. You know, it's on a time clock. It's going to end very soon. Or Olam, eternal, right. which means a regular, healthy, normal. Life. Again, it doesn't mean eternal. No one lives eternal. Okay, so that's, so that's um, according to this response from Moshe Feinstein, so, uh, meaning, so he did, there is an act of pursuer, meaning, so now, according to Rish, so what's the argument to Rabbi Yochanan Rish Lakh? That's Rabbi Yochanan's view. Nothing to do with capital crime. The fact that 
this person is a pursuer, and even though there are mutual pursuers here, but he's pursuing a more, again, let's use the word quantitative at this point, life. So we view him, and therefore we can sacrifice him in that case, according to France. Now what about what Rish Lakish uh, says? No. You still need the fact that this person, it's not enough, just the fact that he's, uh, you know, right. he's saying he needs to have committed an overt act that put him in that situation of danger. Okay, that's what Rish Lakish is saying. You're right, he's a pursuer, but you still need the fact that he had, had to have committed something which put him, which made him into a road, which so put things, him into uh, a new insight doesn't really apply still <coughs> to Rush Lakish because the guy still hasn't committed a capital crime. Which guy? The baby A, you mean? Baby A. According to yeah. Bleich brings So let's see. So now let's see how Bleich applies it. So let's see how Bleich applies it. So he says like this. Um, so he says, Igor's Moshe's thesis is readily applicable, I'm going to read it to you, um, is readily applicable to the case of the cephalus twins. At the time that Rabbi Feinstein's ruling was issued, medical experience indicated that if not separated, conjoined twins, sharing a single heart, could survive for a maximum of nine months. Moreover, and he quotes uh, various journals, whatever it is, I don't know, he's quoting for that, 82. Indeed, a question regarding Allah, credibility, this type of evidence. Okay. We'll just accept that. Okay. Moreover, in this particular case addressed by Rabbi Feinstein, the twins were experiencing heart failure and had, not been and had they not been separated, they both would have expired in a rel relatively short period of time. In the case of the, the cephalus twins, there is medical evidence indicating that, generally speaking, it is the left twin that has a chance for survival. The indications are the right twin will not survive. I don't know why he has to bring this all in, even if assigned a full comp complement of organs, whatever that means. Um, Okay, so he says, in the case under discussion, it's clear that only one twin had a chance for survival. For unexplained reasons, the right twin usually has complex cardiovascular anomal anomalies that are not amenable to surgical uh, correction. In the conjoined state, the twins are certainly mutual aggressors. The right twin unintentionally threatens the normal longevity anticipation of the left twin. The right twin, however, because of its congenital anomaly uh, anomalies, cannot survive for a period of more than 12 months. Such an individual, may be well argued, must be regarded as a trefa, as is the case with the regard to feticide, murder of a trefa, is not a capital offense. Accordingly, although both are pursuers, the right twin is engaged in an act of pursuit that is qualitatively of greater magnitude. So, so I, I skipped the part here where he says the same thing, he applies the same logic to Moshe, applies the same logic to a fetus. And that's how he explains what the difference is if the kid is out or not. Because if the kid is inside, um, it's still a fetus. It's still a fetus, and there's no, and we view it right. It's viewed as a trefa because yes. it's not, it can't survive on the outside, as opposed to once the head is out. It's not a capital crime to kill a fetus. Right, exactly. So it's considered we can halachically a trefa. Um, so he says, accordingly, although both are pursuers, the right twin is engaged in an active pursuit that is qualitatively of greater magnitude than the pursuit in which the left twin is engaged. So he's, he's making the analogy, just like Shevim and Bichri is trying to take away more life then they're trying to take away of him. So so too, he's saying between baby A and baby e, B, baby A is, is the, although they're mutual pursuers, baby A is taking away more life than baby B would take of baby A's. Because baby A is a trafe. Hence, according to Igor's analysis, the right twin may and, and indeed must be eliminated in order to preserve the life of the left twin. 
Okay, thus Rabbi Feinstein's ruling with regard to the separation of the Sephora's twins is not only consistent with his earlier published response, but was logically compelled by the thesis to develop therein. However, disagreeing with any, with any element in his analysis of the discussion of Palestinian Talmud, what we just read, including the rationale underlying of Shem ben Lakish, and Rabbi Yochan, with regard to the sufficiency of specification alone, would in all likelihood result in a different conclusion regarding separation of the Sephora's twins. So he's saying, if you take that exact analogy of that old response of Rabbi Feinstein and apply it here, everything would be great. Okay, now what I want to mention one other last thing, and then we'll let you go. Um, one other last uh, proposal, nothing to do with Rabbi Feinstein. Someone who didn't like Rabbi Feinstein wrote an article. Um, he's, he's the Rush Yeshiva, and Yeshiva called Panovich in Nebrak, one of the second largest Yeshiva in Israel. His name is Rabdov Pavarsky. So he wrote an article. He wants to say the reason for the allowing of the of killing baby A, in this case, the s- sacrificing baby A, save baby B, was if we view baby Ace in his assumption, they wouldn't have lived more than even 30 days, he was assuming, even though, I don't, I don't know if they did or didn't, baby A wouldn't have lived more than 30 days, so they're what we call a neonatal, a, a nafel. Yeah, what's the word? Fallen. Uh, no, I'm saying nafel. Like, uh, you know, if, if a baby dies within the first after the first three days of birth, they're not going to make it. It's like a miscarriage, but uh, there's a better term for it. Um, we view it as, as a... Uh, is a non-viable neonate, I guess. Yes, yeah, it's a stillbirth. Even if they die after, right? Even if they die, as long as the baby's a doctor, the baby comes out, and the doctor says this baby will not survive, you know, more than thirty days. So luckily, that's called a nafel. Dead baby walking. Right. Um, okay, you're watching too many late night movies. Um, so, uh, so the point is, is what we in, in the in medical terms we call it a non-viable neonate. Okay, so non-viable neonate. He's saying this, the baby A, even at this point, was consi- based on Dr. Coop, he's assuming, was considered a non-viable neonate, and therefore, again, you'd be allowed to sacrifice it as a dentrefa, it's not, it's a dead baby walking, and that, that was his um, rationale to allow the sacrifice of baby. No one asked him. Thank you.